You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Live from the Packernet Podcast Studios, this is Packers Total Access. Welcome in, guys. My name is Clayton Bailey. I'm your host. Uh, if you want to check us out, you can find us on Packernet.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Make sure you give a follow to Mr. Ryan Schlipp at Pack underscore daddy. And we've got a, uh, a really fun show set up for you guys today. Um, <clears throat> the voice is a little weak, as you can hear. And the reason being is, man, we just did a marathon when it comes to the uh, NFL draft. I, I, my voice is barely hanging on after uh, after that weekend. And, and I'm sure you guys tuned in and, and hung out with us for the entirety of the NFL draft. I want to give mad, mad props to uh, to Mr. Ryan Schlipp because that dude is a monster. <laughs> I have never participated in the NFL draft as far as doing a podcast, a live event, anything like that. That was my very first and uh, I always hear that it's a marathon, and it's this, and it's that, and man, it's long and drawn out. And, uh, and you hear that, and you think, oh, I could talk about the track. Are you kidding me, man? That's I love this stuff, right? It was a marathon. <laughs> I do, uh, from time to time, physical labor with what I do on a daily basis as far as, uh, you know, one of my businesses. And, and uh, never have I been this kind of tired after an event this is it's pretty uh pretty remarkable but nonetheless i just want to thank ryan for his time and and all the other guys that that joined in jj Leahy and uh and blaine the the lawyer i can't say the full name on here at least i'm i'm choosing not to obviously jacob joining us who joins us on our show from time to time doing stuff behind the scenes as well um giving great insight during the draft i thought they absolutely crushed it goose hanging out um, Goose is an awesome guy. It's just we had a multitude of guests, and it was fun. It was great. Um, but what I came away with was just a, a, a different level of appreciation for the guys that are on the team, um, that are on the Packernet team, and and uh, really getting to kind of hang out with them. You know, even though it was on a Zoom call or, or however you want to do it, however you want to describe it, um, getting to kind of hang out face to face and and getting to know it each person's personality and, and a little bit about, um, you know, where they came from and, and, uh, and, you know, their background. I think that stuff's important. I really do. When you're, uh, you're investing time into, into listening to podcasts and, and things like that, man, it's, it's real easy to, to attach yourself to a certain brand, um, as a listener, I believe. And, and that's exactly what I am guys. I listen to all these shows. I'm not just a, you know, a part of the team. Um, I'm probably the biggest fan to be honest with you of all these guys I just mentioned. And uh, I don't know, man, it, I don't want to get too heavy, but I just think it's really cool getting to know people and, and that stuff's important. And it's been awesome getting to know you guys, you know, as we've moved forward. But anyway, the show today, obviously, we're going to talk about the draft picks. I think everybody wants to hear about that. I want to get this show out fairly quick because I know this this week's going to be flooded with similar shows. And you're probably going to get tired of, uh, of hearing the draft recap. Right. But we're going to kind of hit through it. 
and uh, hopefully we can get Jacob to join us here. If not, we'll get him on the show later in the week and get his insight. But uh, we're I'm still waiting to hear back from him. He messaged me pretty late last night, and I'll be honest. I went out to dinner and went, did a little bit of shopping with the wife after the draft was over, and and uh, I came home and crashed, man. I was I think I slept 11 hours. But anyway, he he texted me there in the middle of the night, said, "Hey, hey, we recording tomorrow?" And uh, the answer is yes, Jacob. You're you're probably hearing this a little too late now, but I'm sitting here with a, a huge bowl of coffee and can't hold my eyes open, so that's why you didn't get a quick response. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to talk about the Packers draft recap. Um, we're also going to uh, do another Packers history segment. I've gotten a lot of people giving me feedback and, and letting me know, hey, man, uh, keep that going. I'm going to do my best, guys. You know, there's, there's a lot of great stories around the Green Bay Packers. It's just sometimes – it's hard to find the time to do the research, and, and I don't want to just mail that in. These, some of these guys we're talking about in today's episode is no different. They've really, they're responsible for the founding of the Green Bay Packers. They, they need, you need to do uh, the coverage in a, in a certain way where it does them justice. You know, you don't want to just kind of mail that in. So, but we do have one today, and it's going to be one of the founding fathers, one of the members of what, what the Green Bay natives uh, refer to as, quote, the Hungry Five. And that's Lee Joannis. So that's going to be a real cool episode. Just another, like I said, founding father. We're going to recap the draft after that. And then we're going to wrap up with any news that may have broken. And uh, we may get to a listener question also. Um, I've got a few there in the DMs. I'm going to try to pick one out and, uh, and kind of share that with you guys. So that's what we got slated for the show. Let's jump right into it. All right, for our Packers history segment, we have the one the only Lee Joannis and and Lee was uh, kind of a nickname it was short for Leland which was his full name Um, he was actually born on October 17th 1892 I mean think about that every time I see these dates I'm like my gosh that was a long time ago and here we are still talking about these guys and and I think some of them kind of go unrecognized when it comes to the history of the Packers but he was actually born in Green Bay Wisconsin so he's uh, born and raised right there in the Bay and someone that just uh, just loved the area and chose to spend his entire life there. Um, 20 years before Lee's birth in 1872, um, his father Thomas and two uncles actually opened a small grocery store in Green Bay. And I think that's important to mention because you're going to hear that he was a local businessman and it goes back you know, to his father and his uncles and they passed that down to him. I love traditional business. I love it when a family kind of starts something from scratch and passes it along to their children. I think if you have children or you plan on having children or you know someone who has children, whatever the case may be, um, I think that that kind of touches your heart a little bit to think that you can build something for future generations and pass it down. I mean, essentially, that's what the Green Bay Packers are, right? You know, you hear about people passing down season tickets, things like that, and they've been around for so long. I think that stuff is just a little bit special. But he actually attended Green Bay High School until his graduation in 1912. He went on to attend the University of Michigan, graduating in 1917. I think it's really cool to note that as we go through these stories, I may do an episode on Lambeau Field because it's just such an iconic structure, but you're, you're going to see a lot of ties to the University of Michigan. Yeah, we've had a ton of players come through in here most recently with Rashawn Gary and, and some of the others, but the architect of Lambeau Field actually graduated from the University of Michigan as well. And it's to my knowledge, they they modeled Lambeau Field's uh, kind of architecture after the big house there in Michigan. That's a fun little note that you can kind of dig up and, and see. But I, I think it's cool to mention how 
Michigan, the University of Michigan kind of ties into the history of the Packers. I've got some Ohio State fans that probably just cut the cut the program off, but that's all right. <laughs> but anyway, it's worth mentioning. Um, he graduated from the University of Michigan in 1917. During World War One, Joanna served as an officer in the U.S. Army Motor Transport Corps, 412th Motor Supply Train. Now, I'm going to try to be brief on this, but the fact that he served in World War One that means a lot to me. There are guys and gals listening to this show right now that I want you to know that what we do right now, what I'm doing right now with this show, what we did with the draft, everything we ever uh, have a, have an opportunity to do um, through the Packernet Podcast. It would not be possible without the sacrifice that you either already made or are currently making. And I cannot thank you enough for your service. I know everyone here in my voice completely agrees. I also know that if there is someone listening to my voice, listening to this show, and you don't agree with that, right there's the door. Because those men and women, man, they they put their life on the line every day so we can have the freedom to talk about football like it's just the things we take for granted. And and this kind of hit me hard here with Lee Joannis because it was a time that there was, you know, two world wars that happened in the course of this man's life, right? And even during the world war, World War II, the Packers were trying to keep this organization going. And here we worry about the stupidest stuff, especially on social media, everybody arguing back and forth. I, I won't name drop the idiot that made comments this weekend, but it was just... <laughs> Just watching the comment, listening to the comments, reading the comments, whatever. It's just like, God, you guys have never had to struggle in your entire life. You're entitled. You're you're so weak. There's no other way of putting it. You're weak. You've never you never had to face a struggle, and it's made you soft. It's made you to the point where you don't appreciate anything. But uh, with Lee Joanna serving in World War One, that really kind of hit me hard, man. That's uh, way it, it far outweighs. The service he had for the Green Bay Packers, and I'll just leave it at that. But Joannis, as a uh, local civic leader and prosperous businessman, supported the early growth and development of the Green Bay Packers. His first interactions with the Packers developed because of his friendship with Andrew Turnbull. You guys know we covered him on a previous episode. The the owner of the Green Bay Press Gazette, who Turnbull was, and he was also the first president of the Packers. After the Packers almost went bankrupt in 1922, Joannis, along with Turnbull and other Green Bay businessmen, organized the Green Bay Football Corporation. Now, we already told that story from Turnbull's perspective. This is kind of Joannis's perspective, right, because he was one of the Hungry Five as well. Um, it says the uh, corporation was a publicly owned nonprofit that was created after a stock sale that sold 1,000 shares in 1923. Joannis was elected to the first executive committee and board of directors of the corporation, where he would serve as a secretary and treasurer for seven years. In 1930, Joannis was elected as the president of the corporation, a role he held for 17 years he was president, guys. At the time, at the time that was the longest tenure of any Packers president. As president, Joannis led the Packers through multiple financial challenging times. In the first years of his presidency, the Packers lost a lawsuit initiated by a fan who fell at the stands. He was a drunk guy, by the way. That's a funny story if you ever dig into that. Um, the payout from the lawsuit, as well as the ongoing Great Depression. So these guys are trying to keep this football program going during the Great Depression, right? I know we face a lot of, uh, a lot of rough stuff in our life here, but anyway, you know, it amazes people talk about recession and things like that, and I'm like... You guys make it sound like you're living through the hardest time of your life, right? Like like they're handing out potatoes back in the day, right? Like you're in the soup line. It's just unbelievable. But anyway, so 
The payout from the lawsuit, as well as the ongoing Great Depression, brought the corporation into insolvency. NFL owners transferred the franchise into Joe Annis's name in 1933. After a $6,000 loan from Joe Annis, the corporation was reorganized in 1935 and its current form known as the Green Bay Packers Incorporated. Now, that $6,000 loan, I think it's really worth mentioning. Um, if he, when he gave that $6,000 loan, a lot of people don't know this, and I actually heard it on a documentary here recently, I think the Legacy documentary. They said that he was for a short time the actual owner of the Green Bay Packers, and nobody knows that. You understand what kind of man it takes, that you look at this organization, you put up $6,000 of your hard-earned money to save the organization, and he never even thought about going, you know what, I technically own the team. I'm, I'm just going to take over here. If I don't, they're going to have to fold. I'm in control. No, he knew it was important. It was vital to Green Bay to keep it as an incorporation, publicly owned, uh, stock-driven type program so we wouldn't have just a single owner. I think that is the most selfless act uh, anyone in the history of the Packers probably had, and I think it's really, really worth mentioning. Um, Joanna served on the Packers Board of Directors for 58 years, making him the longest tenured director in team history. He also represented the Packers on various NFL committees, just like Turnbull. During his time on the board, the recognition of his various contrib uh, contributions, Joannis was elected to the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame in 1981, one year before I was born. thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he would go on, like I said, to, uh, to kind of have his name written in Packers history. Um, I don't know. I, it, when you recap that story, guys, and I'm going to wrap this segment up, it's cool that you had a guy who would not, you know, in a world where people like to bash capitalism, they like to bash business owners, they like to let these evil men and women that have too much money and no one deserves to be that rich and blah, blah, blah. His dad and his uncle put probably everything, their whole livelihood, on the line to launch those businesses. They passed them down to him and obviously... He was responsible enough and had enough of a work ethic to keep them alive. I think they said he, he did it his whole life. His grocery store businesses were still, there was multiple, you know, stores that were still uh, in business when he passed away, to the best of my understanding. And then if, if it hadn't been for those evil men and women, right, the Green Bay Packers wouldn't exist because they wouldn't have gotten that $6,000 loan from Joe Annis. And Joe Annis wouldn't have the $6,000 if he didn't have his business. He wouldn't have had his business if it wasn't for his dad and his uncles putting everything on the line to start those businesses. I think it's uh, just another story, just like with Turnbull and everyone else, thin threads. The Green Bay Packers history is created off these very, very thin threads. And I know I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm extremely thankful that they were willing to... Uh, to do what it took to just keep this thing afloat long enough uh, to where you, you have what is known today as, I believe, the greatest story uh, in, uh, in all of sports, and that's the Green Bay Packers. So there's your history segment. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, as much as I enjoy doing those, uh, they're always a blast. But now we're going to take a quick break and get on to our next segment. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, joining us now from Packernet Podcast social media team and uh, also tuned in with us live on the NFL draft the other night as we did the Packernet Podcast uh, draft party is our good buddy Jacob. How you doing this morning, Jacob? Man, I'm doing good, Clayton. That was a long weekend. It was a fun weekend, but it definitely takes it out of you. It really does. I, I was actually mentioning earlier in the show that, gosh, it's unbelievable. I've heard so many people talk about how covering the draft and doing a live a live cast and all that stuff is so exhausting. I'm going, whatever, dude. You don't know what exhausting is. Dude, it took it out of me as well. So, um, anyway, we're, what we're going to do here, guys, with Jacob on the line, we're going to jump right in and just do a quick recap. We're not going to go into too much detail, but a quick recap of each prospect that the Packers have now drafted, and they are uh, now currently Green Bay Packers. So, first on the list here is at pick 22 overall. We took linebacker Quay Walker out of Georgia. Tell me about him, Jacob. Yep. I know it was kind of a surprise, which if you watch the uh, stream, you get the exact reaction out of us as probably everyone else had, which is kind of like, uh, okay. But um, <laughs> as we talked about it, he was the one of the, I think he was the fastest and most upcoming player in the draft. Uh, Ryan went over some of that um, kind of compared to how Jair did in the past and that sort of thing. Anyways, he's 6'4", 241. He's a senior. He's 21.9 years of age. He ran the 40 in 4.52 seconds. It's interesting because this draft was basically the opposite of kind of what people think the Packers presets are. Like, we don't draft linebackers first round. We don't draft old guys. Um, some people have even kind of been a little cocky about that statement, which whatever, we won't go into that. But um, yeah, <laughs> Quay Walker, just real quick, his 2019 grade wasn't great, 59.3. 2020 jumps up to a 60.4. This last year, he was a 71.7 grade. Again, people are kind of mixed emotions about Quay Walker, but he has all the potential. He's kind of like, you know, he has a lot of the raw ability to do things, and now it's just kind of seeing what he can do and transfer in the next level. PFF says Walker's one of the best run and hit linebackers in the class. You give him the freedom to play fast and he'll excel. That's because he's both the speedy 240 pounds and one of the best tacklers in the class, missing only seven times on 138 career attempts. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. The guy, I think he's, yeah, 6'4", but his span, like his, his from tip to tip of his hands is like 6'5". So the dude has just got those long arms. He can wrap people up. If you watch his highlight film, that's exactly what he does. Guys do not get away from him. If he gets a finger on you, you're done. You're going down. Absolutely. He really attacks the ball carrier is what I noticed and, and grading coverage too. And this, this feels exactly the way that Rashawn Gary felt when they drafted him. This feels exactly the way it felt when they drafted Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes as well. I'm absolutely fired up over this pick because we all looked at each other like there and we talked about it beforehand. We're like, it's going to be somebody that we have, we would never think it's going to be. And sure enough, the RAS is uh, 9.66, which is absolutely outstanding. The notes here on him says he became the Packers' first off-ball linebacker selected in the first round since 2005, A.J. Hawk. 15-game starter for the national champions. Terrific combination of length and speed at linebacker. 
excellent tackler, which is exactly what you just said, had to wait his turn to be a starter at Georgia, wasn't a big play creator, but played key role on the all-star defense. Comparable player in terms of athleticism, size, and play style, Devondre Campbell, his new teammate. Yep, that's so awesome. Yeah, likely day one starter at linebacker. And this goes exactly hand-in-hand with what we talked about earlier, Jacob, when we talked about team needs. I bet a lot of people listen to our podcast and said, why are they even covering linebacker prospects? This is why, because they're in that nickel defense so often, they need another inside linebacker to step up. And and as of right now, Chris Barnes hasn't been that guy. He's kind of filled that role to a certain extent. But I'm telling you right now, man, nobody nobody better to learn from in this system because Devontae Campbell fit it perfect. Um, I'm excited about it. So moving on to the next pick, we had another first-round pick, 28 overall, defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. I actually mocked him my, my final mock. That's who I took with the 28th pick as well. Now, the 22nd pick, I think I had Chris Olave fall to me, so I got that one wrong. But Devontae Wyatt just kind of, I don't know, it felt like a Packer pick to me. And the age is never a difference or never a, never an issue for me, Jacob. I've said it all over and over on this podcast that I just don't see age as a huge reason why, you know, not to pick someone in the draft. I mean, it's amazing. These players come in young and what do we say? Well, they're all, they're going to have to, they got some growing to do. They've got, they've got a really good acclimated. They're not mature enough. And then we draft one guy that's a year older or two years older and it's, Oh, he's too old. I'm like, what are we doing here? But anyway, what do you think about defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia? Yep, Wyatt, 6'3", 304. He's a senior. Again, yeah, he's 24 years old. But again, like you said, who cares? He's a great football player. Ran the 40 and 477. Uh, real quick, his overall grades, 2019, 77.2. Took a small step back in 2020 with a 72.9. And this last year, boom, 90.3 grade, 10th out of 861 D linemen. And yeah, PFF says between the two Georgia defensive tackles, Wyatt is by far the most ex- more explosive athlete. And it showed as a pass rusher, he finished with an 84 uh, flat grade. He was dominant at the senior bowl. I think this guy is just perfect. I mean, if you watched him get drafted, <laughs> uh, look up him running the 100 meter dash. I think he may have even been in high school, but whatever. It's it, He's blowing past guys that look like they're like athletically fit. And he's just got this big old belly just flopping around. And he's <laughs> still able to just smoke these guys. I mean, he is quick. He's a, a really great pursuit on the back end. He's got, you know, a great bull rush, but he also has a great pass rush, which I think um, put him next to Kenny Clark. Kenny was jacked when he got drafted. I think he was throwing out a bunch of tweets. Um, I, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited. He seems like a really good person. Uh, he almost had that kind of like Rashawn Gary almost looked like he was breaking down a little bit. He was just so happy. I know he toured Lambeau and from the sounds of it, the guy really, really kind of bought in, love the atmosphere. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Definitely. He's going to be a fan favorite right out of the gate. His RAS is another great score, 9.60. He was yeah. team all SEC in 2021. Athletic and disruptive interior defender with impressive lateral agility and the ability to play multiple spots in base and sub package defensive fronts. Motor never stops, highly active, can be devastating as twists and stunts, dominant run defender who controls the action, uh, could be an immediate contributor at the three or the five technique as a rookie. I want to go back to can be devastating as twists at twists and stunts, okay? With mm-hmm. twists and stunts, immediately what we noticed yesterday on the live stream, we had Sam breaking down, who done an excellent job during our draft coverage. He broke down a little bit of film of Quay Walker, and it showed him lining up in what is technically a zero technique right over the center, but he's standing up, right? And 
it, it reminded us of Zadarius Smith a couple of years ago, how they would use him in yep. there. Because that's one thing that he brings to the table in Quay Walker is kind of that Micah Parsons approach of being able to rush the, the passer as well. And then when you look here, this is one of the reasons why he was so successful at that at Georgia, because he had this guy right in front of him. And it says he can be devastating with twists and stunts. So it's obvious that that's the the uh, the direction that Joe Barry's going in, in my opinion. They're probably going to be doing a lot more stunning and stuff. But yeah. with that being said, too, we've talked about on this show, Jacob, that it's important to understand we're building a team. We're not collecting talent. And you got two guys from the same school who are going to come in. I believe they both played with Stokes, if I remember correctly. So they've already got some of that camaraderie built. And that's huge coming into a locker room. So I'm really excited about him. And, uh, yeah, so moving on to the next uh, the next pick, it was in the second round. They traded up. I was actually planning on being on at the start of the second round. Something came up, so I was a few minutes late. Lo and behold, I'm, I'm standing in my kitchen. I'm getting ready to come up to the studio, and I look, I'm like, what in the – how are we on the clock? So they <laughs> traded up. And it's awesome to see your all's reaction to this because at the 34th pick after trading up, we take wide receiver Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. Talk about him, man. Oh yeah, man. This was, this was just fun. I mean, the whole weekend was fun, but this was just one of those perfect moments. I was, if I was pounding the table for any guy, if I had a, my guy, that was Christian Watson, for sure. Um, even uh, Ryan's kid, you know, that was his guy. So we kind of had like this little, right. like just added, added bonus. And like you said, yeah, we were doing the stream, just getting it started, kind of kicking off the cobwebs from the night before. And then yeah, it was like, I think it was, yeah, right after the first pick, they're like, boom, Green Bay's traded up and we all started kind of freaking out. And uh, I think the immediate reaction was that, okay, it's Pickens. But then I, I think I even said out loud, I said, I'd love Pickens, but I'd be even more ecstatic if we got Christian Watson. And then sure enough, we get it. We go nuts. Um, the guy is an athletic specimen. He's 6'4". They have him listed at 208, maybe a little bit bigger. He's a senior. He's 22.9 years of age. He ran the 40 in 4.36 seconds at 6'4". They're saying they could even put on, I think, Goody said in the press uh, post press conference that they'd want to put on another 10, 15 pounds of muscle on him. If that's true. And he can still carry that speed. I mean, Oh, that's insane. Uh, 2019, 77.9 grade took a small step back in 2020 with a 69.9 this last year had an 87.9 grade. Again, you watch this guy on film. I mean, you don't want to just watch the highlights, but it's hard not to, he is just everywhere. Kick returner end arounds. Um, I mean, the, the, he's just fun to watch and he's just speedy. He makes one cut kind of guy. He runs like a gazelle, kind of like Jordy long strides. I'm excited. I'm super excited. He's got to work on maybe some drops. Uh, that's his biggest knock, but he just seems like he has all the upside, all the potential in the world. Absolutely. And, you know, I heard uh, actually heard someone say uh, on one of the telecasts or maybe it was a recap of, of the second round. They said if this guy had a different color helmet on a different logo on his helmet, he yep be a top 10 pick. And that's really the main thing that hung him, you know, that held him back. Yeah, we had a little bit of a drop issue, but him playing at such a small school, if he had played at Georgia, Jacob, or if he had played at – Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, been a top 10 pick, easy. Isn't his RAS darn near a 10? Yeah, it's 9.96. Which yeah, there. Off the charts. I mean, off the charts. The notes here says, one of the most athletic receivers ever, not just this year, ever. Yeah. Excellent length. And People defense. are sleeping on him, man. He's going to be – I'm telling you, he's going to be good. Really Absolutely. Good. Yeah. Excellent length and deep speed for vertical routes. Enticing versatility with experience at all receiver spots. That is freaking huge. Run mm -hmm. and returner. North Dakota State gave him plenty of gadget touches, averaged over 20 yards per catch, over 105 catches, scored two kickoff return touchdowns, and could yep. be Packers week one returner. Big hands, but did some uh but did have some focus drops. 
tough and experienced blocker, maybe the best size speed combo at receiver in the draft class. Two time All American led North Dakota State in receiving three straight seasons. Now, the argument is always when you take a first round wide receiver, they say you don't want to put your first rounder back there kick, uh, returning kicks. You know, the last one to do it that, that came out and was real young but, and kind of a high pick was Randall Cobb. He wasn't a first round pick. And I'm going to say to all the haters out there, technically, Christian Watson is not a first round pick, right? So I know 34 is real close to 32, but uh, I, man, imagine if he comes out as a kick returner as well. I understand the injury concerns returning kicks, but there's just a lot of upside with this guy. And he just, when you read off those notes, it sounds like a football player. It really yeah. does. I mean, he does everything. And and I didn't know about his blocker, but it says tough and experienced blocker. That's He's a very willing blocker and he may not be the best, but I think that we can coach that out of him, which again, you know, LaFleur is drooling over that. Oh yeah. And you can tell they're building a team here. Like we said, not collecting talent. He, he woke up with the tweetings. I think he, I won't use the language, but he, he yep. used a little bit of language said it feels good to be a Packer. I just, everybody they drafted had some kind of connection. It seems like to green Bay, whether their parents were fans or. Well, his dad was a Packer was drafted. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he actually ever ended up playing a snap, but his dad was drafted uh, as, as a Packer, I believe. That is awesome. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, we're going to have to go rapid fire now, guys. We, yeah, we're going to have to step it up. We, we dove in a little bit deep on those early picks, and we wanted to for a reason. Um, but these right here, we're just going to kind of real real quick flash of, of the rest of the draft class. That way you guys can hear the name, hear the measurables, and we'll go kind of quick. And, uh, and we'll have plenty of time, guys, before the start of the season to dive into these guys a little bit deeper. But up next, we have third-round pick, 92nd overall offensive lineman, Sean Ryan out of UCLA. I think it's very, very important to mention offensive line and not tackle or not guard or not center because this guy's versatile. So uh, tell me what you think about Sean Ryan. 6'5", 321. He's a junior, 21.6 years of age. He ran the 40 in 5.25 seconds. Again, like you said, he's just a versatile guy. I think Ryan highlighted him a little bit earlier on one of his episodes about how he's one of those guys that picked up football very late and just got it. He's one of those guys that whatever he does, he's going to excel in it. So he's still learning. He's still very raw. Uh, 57.6 grade his first year. That's understandable. Jumps up to a 73.9 in 2020, 2021. He's at 83.9. And again, he's still learning. He's still getting the fundamentals. He just has raw power, raw ability. Um, it's I'm excited to see what he can do. It says Ryan's a physical run blocker who currently plays tackle for UCLA, but likely profiles best as a guard in the NFL. Took a massive step forward in 2021 with his overall grade, jumping from 73.9 to the 83.7. I, I don't know where, <clears throat> again, the guy is so talented that I wouldn't be surprised if he could develop into an NFL tackle, but throw him in a guard, see what he can do, just thumping people. He's He looks like an NFL lineman, so I'm happy to have him. Yeah, he really, really does. And you you hit on everything perfect there. RAS, another one off the charts, 9.33. Says he's uh, well-built with a thick lower body and gigantic hands, perfect for anchoring and maintaining that guard. Tested well and will have the right movement ability to move inside while also offering flexibility at tackle. So, again, versatility, versatility, versatility when it comes to Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst, and uh, their whole staff and, and, and building up this offensive line. So on to the next pick, fourth rounder, 132nd overall wide receiver, Romeo. Is it Dobbs? Am I saying that right? I don't know because I watch film and I heard people say Dubs and Dobbs. So I do too, just, yeah. <laughs> I'll say Dubs for now. We'll say right, you, say, you say Dubs, I say Dobbs, and we'll have them both covered. All right. There you go. Um, yeah. yeah, tell me about him, man, because I got kind of excited once I kind of dug into to this uh, this football player here. 
I did too. I this was one of those guys where I just never quite put him on my radar. Saw his name a bunch of times. Looked him up a few. Just never really thought this would be the guy. Six uh, two, two hundred one. He's a senior, twenty two years old. He ran the forty and four five two. So again, he's more of like that. Devante doesn't have crazy numbers, but he runs very good routes. He's very um, technical with how he does things. Jumping up from a 2019 grade of 67.7 to 2020, he's a 76.4. 2021, he's at 81.7. So he shows the progression. Uh, the only reason why I think that Christian Watson may not be returning kicks is because Romeo Dubs, Dubs, Ken, and he was very, very good at it. And that's maybe a, a role that he slides into just because, you know, you think of a fourth rounder not as maybe he's a little more expendable. I hate saying it that way, but you know, right. you don't want to risk your first and second rounders. Like you said, due to injury, um, Dobbs says that uh, was Carson Strong's top target for the Wolfpack these past two seasons and went over a thousand yards in each season. He has good size. He's a uh, six foot two, 200 plus pounds, and he consistently can separate down the field. You watch some of his highlight reels. And again, it's just, I, I'm really, really happy with how the draft fell. I, I don't think that I could have picked a more realistic draft of getting some really really great upside guys getting some great floor guys and then hitting on almost every single one of our needs and then giving us that that we ended up with the trifecta at wide receiver which i didn't see happening and we somehow did it we had some great offensive line help so i'm, I'm excited yeah absolutely I, I said two to three receivers would be drafted i honestly thought there wasn't much of a chance of taking three. I kind of looked at two as the number, so I'm with you there. Um, the one thing that I noticed, too, his RAS is at 8.26. It's unofficial. Got to be somewhere in that ballpark once it does become official. But, uh, again, the 44740 is what it's showing on here. And the thing that I noticed in watching some of the film is uh, afterwards, of course, I didn't see this one coming. I don't want you guys to think I'm a know-it-all. It's not the case at all. I went back and watched the film, and his in-cutting routes are excellent. It says he's got the ability to be an all-around route runner, you know, in due time. But I think of some of these spot and smash concepts on the front side and how they have that backside receiver, that X, run deep digs or even drags, things underneath, so they get – the defense focusing on one side of the field at three levels, the coverage rolls. And then when Aaron, when the play breaks down, if everybody's covered, if he, if he doesn't have the quick smoke screen or whatever on the front side, you come to that backside dig. This seems like that type of receiver to do that. Now, when you think about Christian Watson playing that deep route role that MVS did, I mean, it, it's exciting. This, I think this is going to be one of those guys um, that's a Donald driver, a, uh, yep, yep. A that's yeah, he's not going to wow you with athleticism. He's just going to be one of those guys that's shifty enough to get open on some of those underneath routes. And he does have some big play capability as well. So I'm excited about that pick. Um, on to the next one, another fourth rounder, 140th overall. I think that this might've created the biggest reaction on, on the, on the live cast. And that was offensive lineman, Zach Tom out of Wake Forest. Uh, tell me, uh, what do you think about Zach Tom? Yeah, man, I just I just feel like we had such a great draft in the middle rounds, the third, fourth, and fifth round draft, even our sevens. But I mean, this is just, in my opinion, it's a great pick. Uh, Zach Tom, 6'4, 304, is a redshirt junior. He's 23 years old, 4.9440. He's just a good football player, man. And, and I'm surprised that he actually fell that far. Um, people have him listed as a guard in the next, uh, in the next step of his career. But, you know, he is again, one of those guys where it would not surprise me. He's got the tools. Um, he was, I believe, yeah. While some believe Tom should kick inside due to play, play strength concerns, his mirroring ability can help him stick at tackle. He earned the highest pass blocking grade in the FBS last year. Um, and he did 
the progression as well. Like I like 2019, 66.6 overall grade, 2020, 73.4. This last year in 2021 is the 84.8 grade. Again, he just screams, I'm a Green Bay Packer. Throw me in there. Let me start just mauling people and knocking them around. It's it's interesting. I think a lot of this draft is shifting our offense towards Matt LaFleur's ideal group of guys. And it's fun to watch all the pieces come together. And I think he's a great piece to that. Absolutely. Here's the big thing that stands out to me, Jacob. RAS at guard, 9.9. Yeah. Yep. RAS at offensive tackle, 9.59. RAS at center. 10.10. 10. <laughs> so that's 10. exciting. That's good stuff. Awesome. So we've got one more that we're going to cover kind of deep here. And then I'm just going to read off the rest. But this one, you guys know, I got really excited about. I actually had him rated 55th on my overall big board. And that is, uh, he fell in the fifth round at 179th uh, pick overall. That's outside linebacker Kingsley Enigbare out of South Carolina, man. How, how fired up you for this guy? I know his RAS isn't as sexy. This dude looks like a football player. Yeah, this is a guy where, like you said, the RAS maybe isn't there. He's only 6'1", maybe 6'2", so the height isn't necessarily there, but you just put on tape and he's a beast, man. And he's, I think he had one of the best pass rush grades and and win percentage and all that kind of stuff. So, I, I again, to get a guy like this, this late in the draft, I just am ecstatic about he's 6'1", 258. He's a senior, 22.2 years of age, ran the 40 in 4.87 seconds. So, again, he doesn't really pop off the page as far as his measurables, but he just, he's a football player and he's good at it. So as an Enigbare was one of the highest graded pass rushers in the country over the past two seasons, recording 89.2 pass rushing grade in 2020 and a 92.5 mark in 2021. While he's not the kind of athlete who hears his name called early, Enigbare has the violent hands to be productive in the NFL. And again, throw him behind Preston, throw him behind Gary, let him watch, let him learn. I'm super pumped for that pick. Absolutely. And I'm actually on Packers Wire from the USA Today right now, checking some of this stuff out. I don't know which is accurate. You, I would trust yours probably more than mine because I threw this together fairly quick. It's showing here his, his height is actually 6'4", but you, you know how that can get too. I mean, some. I'm- it's so weird how you can't find like age. <laughs> age to me was the hardest one to knock down. And it's like, you, it's his birthday. Like, how do we not have this information? <laughs> exactly. like, it's frustrating. So- so he's somewhere between 6'1 and 6'4. I have no idea. Well, I'm sure we'll know in due time. But his RAS was uh, 6.26, so quite a bit lower than what you would expect. That was the big knock on him. Um, yeah. As he's long and powerful edge rusher with 34-inch arms and a wingspan of 84 inches. That's huge. Yeah, that's, that's insane. huge for his – even if he is 6'4, but if he's more like 6'1, 6'2, that's like freakishly – Huge. Absolutely. And it says, but a disappointing overall athletic profile produced 14 tackles for a loss, 10 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles over the final two seasons. First team all SEC in 2020, team captain in 2021. That's huge that he was a team captain, in my opinion. Serious hip injury requiring surgery before his junior season. Packers believe he can bend around the corner and set the edge. That may be the reason he fell so far. I was going to say that had to be because remember we were sitting around and I couldn't believe he fell that. I was surprised that he was still there. One of those things where he gets picked and you're like, he's still available. Okay. Absolutely. And, and when I set my board, I don't, I, I put injuries in red. He was in red, but I don't, I don't base my board off of that. I don't say, okay, I'm sliding this guy down 10 slots because he's got injury issues. I say, here's what the tape shows. Here's what the experts say as far as scouts, Greg Cosell, people like that. That's where I'm putting them on the board. And then I make the decision 
where is he worthy of being taken? So if someone else was right there with him on the board at edge, I would have taken them over him because he was lit up in red with, with the, some of those concerns. But the fact that he, I mean, Jacob, he thought of the fifth round, dude, this is, yeah. this feels like, you know, they were worried about Favre's injury history when he came in. They said they they may get four years out of him, and Ron Wolf said, I'll take four years, give them to me. And he traded a yep. for him. Uh, you know, the same thing. There were several other players throughout the history of the league that, you know, have, have had major injury concerns, but at the end of the day, um, they went with them and, and they, you know, came out on top and, and did okay, you know, didn't didn't miss a whole lot of time right off the bat. So we'll see what happens. I think it's uh it's worth taking a, a flyer on them. So I'm gonna rattle through the rest of these real quick just to give a little name drop, height and weight, that type of thing, and then we'll get you out of here. So we've got seventh round, 228th overall, Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech. He plays safety, 6'2, 230, 23 years old, 447, 40-yard dash with an RAS of 9.02. Outstanding right there. We got in the seventh round um, with our ninth pick. 234 uh, overall is defensive lineman Jonathan Ford out of Miami. He's 6'5", 333, 23 years old, 5'4", in the 40-yard dash with an RAS of 3.5. RAS is absolutely horrible right there, but that sounds like a big body that they're going to stick in the middle and just say, hey, listen, go get in somebody's way in the running game. Yeah. <laughs> so seventh round, we got with the 10th pick, 249th overall offensive tackle Rasheed Walker out of Penn State, 6'6", 313, 22 years old. No RAS reported. I'm trying not to laugh because that video I, shared. <laughs> I like this guy. There's a video of him where he throws a dude down and he, let's just say he finishes. And <laughs> yes, Do you know which one I'm talking about? Absolutely. That's what <laughs> that's, I, was to, I was trying to think of a family-friendly way to say there, there is none, so we're just going to move on. <laughs> the 11th pick we have in the seventh round there at 258 overall wide receiver. I think I'm saying it right. Samori Torre out of Nebraska. I believe that's correct, yep. Yeah, he's six foot 191, 24 years old, had a 4-440, an RAS of 615. It says a Montana transfer led the Big Ten in yards per catch, 19.5 in 2021, played 48 total games, 34 starts, uh, tested well at the pro day, five 100 yard receiving games in 2021, deep speed and big playability, caught 25 career touchdown passes from Nebraska. So, yeah, is the draft class, guys. Uh, sorry we went so fast, but there's uh, time constraints, and I knew Jacob was up for, up to the, the challenge of getting them all in. We just wanted to get you guys the name, the height, the weight, that type of stuff. Go a little bit deeper into some of the, the earlier prospects, and we'll have plenty of time to break down the rest. But, Jacob, dude, as always, man, great job this weekend, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man, it was a blast. Appreciate all you guys uh, tuning in and all the questions. It was, it was awesome. All right, take care, pal. You too. All right, that was Jacob from Packernet Podcast. Always enjoy our time with him. And I do want to take a second, guys, and apologize. If you heard a buzzing on the front side of this uh, of this podcast here, I apologize. That was totally on my side. I'd done some adjustments, heard it on the playback. I wish I could have that removed so you don't have to be annoyed by it. But unfortunately, it's kind of there. We're not going to go back and recut that. So um, I apologize again. I know that's got to be a little bit aggravating listening to that buzz. But moving forward, we'll make sure we get that taken care of. Now, kind of touching on what Jacob and I just covered. Now, if you'll remember, in an earlier podcast, we did talk about weak spots on this team, right, according to PFF. 
And those weak spots on offense were center Josh Myers at 54.9, guard Royce Newman at 55.7, wide receiver Amari Rodgers at 60.5. I think it is worth noting, very, very, very small sample size for Amari Rodgers. The other two guys got quite a bit of playing time. Myers a little less than Newman because he was banged up, but at the same time, availability is the top ability, the most important ability when it comes to building a football team. So what did we do in the draft? You know, like we just recapped, if you look at what the Packers did, they looked at those holes and they said, okay, how can we bolster those, right? Well, they go out for wide receiver. They draft three wide receivers, right? Their top offensive pick, Christian Watson, that's going to kind of help fill fill in that weak spot. You, the idea is, guys, in the offseason is you look at your weaknesses, you self-scout, you look at your weaknesses, and is there any way possible we can turn those weaknesses into strengths? Because if you do that, your team is going to be so much better. You're going to you're going to take a weakness, turn it into a strength. Strength. You're kind of flipping the script there. You're you're getting to the point where okay, now now you can focus for next year on what's the upcoming weak spot. Maybe you leave lose someone in free agency or or whatnot. But anyway, they take three wide receivers to kind of fill that void a little bit and help Amari Rogers out. Two of which I think are great candidates to be kick returners. Um, for the offensive line, they go out and they draft. Let's see here. You got a third rounder, a third rounder in Sean Ryan, right? And then you've got. The uh, fourth rounder in Zach Tom, he's one of my favorite prospects. I got to admit, and then you've got some uh, some guys here a little bit later as well. You know, when you uh, when you look at uh, after Zach Tom, you go a little deeper into the seventh round, or yeah, the seventh round. You got offensive tackle Rashid Walker. Seems like he's got a little bit of a mean streak in him. I'm excited about that. So you pick up three offensive linemen to try to bolster that weak spot of Josh Myers and Newman. You got enough versatility there. I I think one of these, one of if not two, of these rookies are going to come out and really surprise us and step into a starting role uh, this year on the offensive line. At worst case scenario, what they're going to do is create this competitive environment with Royce Newman and Josh Myers. Those guys are not going to want to lose their starting spots. So that's going to be very, very competitive, and that's exactly what you want going into training camp. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, you've got linebacker Chris Barnes at a 52.7, Darnell Savage at a 58.4. J.J. Leahy, awesome insider for the Packernet Podcast. You guys need to go follow him on Twitter at J.J., I think, underscore Leahy. Um, but find him on Twitter and follow. He mentioned the other day he actually broke the news to me as as he breaks pretty much all Packer news um, that Darnell Savage, they are picking up his fifth-year option. So we talked about, I think, on the last episode, it's going to be like a $7 million cap hit. Obviously, the Packers see something in him that I'm overlooking. And believe me, they know more about football than I do. I listed him as a weak spot because of his PFF grade of 58.4, but we know he peaked a lot higher than that a couple of years ago. So maybe they're seeing more of that than they are what's current. Maybe it was him getting acclimated to the new defensive coordinator last year. Um, But for whatever reason, they did pick up that fifth-year option. So we did pick up a safety late to kind of bolster the roster a little bit, the DB room there with Carpenter, I believe in the seventh round, if I remember correctly. But at the same time, uh, they're going to move forward with Savage. Obviously, $7 million, man, that's not chump change. That's a that's a pretty good hit on the uh, on the cap next year. That tells me, just like JJ said, they're probably looking to do a long-term deal with him. So we'll see if he rebounds. I'm rooting for the guy. Just like Jacob said over and over, dude, When anytime you draft – a, a thumper defensive back, right? Someone who can play in the box a little bit, play a little bit of nickel, got all the versatility, the RAS score that that he had, and his last name is Savage. 
I want the guy to work out. I really do. I've been on the record over and over saying I want this guy to pan out because I was a fan favorite there when he peaked a couple years ago, but we'll see how it goes. Now, the other one was linebacker Chris Barnes. This is actually a guy that I defended to no end uh, a couple of years ago, and Ryan, not even knowing it at the time, I wasn't a part of his team, um, kind of checked me on Facebook about it, <laughs> and he was like, I just don't see – I don't know what you guys see in, in Chris Barnes. I really don't. Well, lo and behold, last year, PFF grade 52.7. So what did the Packers do? They come out in the very first round, right, and they draft Quay Walker. Guys, Quay Walker is going to step in and play week one. I really believe that. He is going to be playing alongside Devondre Campbell, right, and uh, and they're, that you take a weak spot now, and you've got a guy with starter experience in linebacker Chris Barnes who's now going to provide depth, right? And you've got a freak of nature in Quay Walker with this RAS of 9.66, um, excellent tackler. Like we said, he like to run a lot of stunts and twists there at Georgia, too. Um, I think he's going to kind of be uh, that Micah Parsons type build. Please understand me. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Micah Parsons. He could be. Let's hope he is. I'm just saying he's kind of got that style of play when I put on the film and looked at it. He can really do a little bit of everything. He can play coverage. He's a great tackler. He, he flows real nice to the ball. His uh, three-cone, all, all of the agility measurables as far as quick acceleration, things like that, was off the charts. Um, I think that uh, he's someone who can who can do a little bit of everything. He can cover. He can tackle. He can, he can rush the uh, – quarterback I think it's going to be a great addition but nonetheless he's going to start alongside Devondre Campbell and get to pick his brain because we all know even though Devondre Campbell signed that five-year deal we know it'd be real easy to move on from Devondre after year two year three somewhere around there and not that I want that I would love to see Devondre perform at a high level till he's 40 years old but we know what happens as they get, get a little bit longer in the tooth especially at the linebacker position but we got Quay Walker ready to step right in I'm excited about that pick I just thought it was worth mentioning that the weak spots all got addressed. Offensive line, both guard and center. You heard the versatility when Jacob and I were talking about it. Then wide receiver, um, you bolster that room. You get you a guy that can play uh, either X or Z and uh, really stretch the field vertically with that uh, with that speed that Christian Watson brings to the table, and we're off and running, man. So I'm excited about this draft class. So we can't get through this draft class without bringing up the topic of Devontae Adams, right? The Devontae Adams trade is what made this draft class happen. So the trade is now complete as of yesterday, and I'm going to mention it here. The Raiders got Devontae Adams. Let me tell you what else they got. They also got, for 2023, a $30 million cap hit next year. This year, you know, the, the new year don't kick in. The new deal don't kick in, I should say, until next year. $30 million against the cap next year. Guys, to put that into perspective, this year Aaron Rodgers is making $28 million. But I know he didn't take a quarterback uh, team-friendly deal. I know all the people out there acting like he was selfish and absolutely broke the bank and this. Anyway, I digress. So they got Devontae Adams in a $30 million cap hit next year. The Packers got Quay Walker, linebacker, Christian Watson, wide receiver, Devondre Campbell, linebacker, right? They got Rasul Douglas, defensive back, wide receiver Sammy Watkins, and defensive lineman Jerron Reed. Now, some people will be sitting there saying, oh, no, they they already had them before the draft, Clayton. What are you talking about? There is absolutely no way that they would have been able to sign those players, okay, or obviously acquire the draft picks in the Devontae Adams trade. All of those players, I think it's safe to say, would not be on the team today, guys. They would not be on the team. If he had signed the deal that the Packers offered. And that's what's crazy about it. People say, I can't believe they let him walk. They didn't let him walk. They offered more than the Raiders, right? 
But thank God he didn't accept that deal. Because if he had, I'm telling you right now, it really would be a last stance. This would be a scenario where the team is only going to get weaker as years go by because he's going to get older. It's one player eating up that much of your cap space. This was the right move. And I'm just glad that that Goody had the uh, testicular fortitude to face the masses and say, no, look, this is what we're doing, all right? This is what we're going to have to do moving forward. And he accommodated Devontae Adams without there being bad blood. He smoothed it over with Aaron Rodgers. Brian Gutekunst, I'm telling you right now, guys, he, he is a top-notch general manager. And I'm absolutely excited to see what he does with this team in the next three to five years. It's, it's going to be great as we build moving forward. So one last little nugget I wanted to mention, and we'll get you guys out of here. I appreciate your time today. Aaron Rodgers was in town for the Bucks game last week. He stopped by Lambeau and actually jumped into workouts with his teammates. This is what now leaking out that when you've seen him courtside Bucks, it's amazing how all of the uh, critics, I'm going to name drop them here. I'm just going to do it. Mike Florio and Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk. Oh, it's amazing to me. He's, he's down there courtside uh, at a basketball game, but he can't come in and work with the team. He can't get this, uh, get some chemistry with Sammy Watkins. He He's just so selfish and, and on and on and on. Guys, this is what I would say to Mike Florio and Chris Sims. You think you know everything, but you don't know everything. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to the media and go, look at me, I'm a good teammate. I'm up here working out with my teammates, right? It was also mentioned on the Pat McAfee show, he kind of let it slip. And and I don't even want, I shouldn't even say let it slip. It's just him having a conversation. But if, if people would learn how to listen and, and stop pretending like they're the smartest freaking people in the room, what you'll notice, guys, the loudest people in the room typically have the least amount to say. They have the least amount of value to add to the people in the room. And that's what you get with some of these talking heads. Like I said there earlier in the show, there was a, a local Packer, you know, quote-unquote reporter. He's got a podcast out there that is laughable in the community. If you listen to him, it's, it's literally about pushing a political agenda on people and just acting like the sky is falling all the time. And you can just tell it's someone who's never had to face adversity in their life. They've never had to, have a, they've never had to uh, be forgave for something, right? Like they've never made a mistake. Once, you, once you've been forgiven for something... It's easy to forgive other people because you realize, man, I could be right there in that boat. I'm not perfect. But it just amazes me how so many people act like they're perfect. I shouldn't go on this rant, but it is what it is. Anyway, here's the here's the gist of it, guys. Matt LaFleur said in his presser yesterday, quote, he was in he was in the house, right? But he said, quote, he's in great shape. So he is ready to roll. It, it was mentioned on the Pat McAfee show, he let it slip, that I will be there for mandatory OTAs. So he's going to be in working with his receivers, but all these idiots just pretend like they assume, oh, there's no way he'll come in because he's a selfish teammate. Okay, well, Christian Watson was ecstatic that he reached out to him after the Packers drafted him, right? He's sitting there watching the draft and and talks on Pat McAfee's show about how the the front office done an excellent job going defense because defense wins championships. In the meantime, the media is going, and they literally said this on the show. They literally said this on their show. Chris Sims and Mike Florio idiot sat there and said, oh, you know Aaron Rodgers is so mad that they didn't take a wide receiver in the first round. And I'm like, you buffoons, if you had two brain cells to rub together between the two of you, you would know that literally live during the draft, as soon as the picks were made, he was ecstatic about the picks. It just amazes, amazes me how people try so hard to prove their ignorance. I mean, really, if I could take those two God, I want to cuss so bad. If I could take those two idiots and buy them for what they're worth and sell them for what they thought they're worth, I would be a rich, rich man right now. 
It's just unbelievable how silly people make themselves sound. But anyway, again, I digress. That's the show, guys. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit fired up from the draft. It was an awesome weekend hanging with those guys, hanging with you. I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to hang out with us. It was a, a long go of it, but if I had had this two, three, five years ago, if I had looked up and said, man, I got a group of guys that are going to watch the draft together, it's it's really uh, a lot of times it's hard to make scheduling work with local friends in your town or this or that. It was it was literally like hanging out at the bar or just hanging out, you know, in your rec room, watching the draft with a bunch of buddies. And I'm telling you, as much as uh, as as well as Ryan did and JJ and Jacob and Goose and all of them, um, as well as they did, Sam crushed. Sam was like probably my favorite. And uh, it, it just I, I shouldn't mention names because I know I'm going to leave somebody out, and and it, it doesn't make them any less. Everybody done an excellent job, but the the viewers coming in. I mean, you guys lit the chat up. That's what we're looking for, man, because you guys make the show better at all times. And there's going to be so many um, so many inside jokes from that draft that when we get new listeners, we got to really be careful because they're not going to understand what we're talking about. <laughs> They'll be like, okay, that's that doesn't make sense. Because there, there's a lot of inside jokes that came out of that. Blaine, uh, you know, uh, I still feel uncomfortable saying it. I don't know why, because Ryan says it, but I'll just say his lawyer. Ryan's lawyer, Blaine, was on the line with us, and he was hilarious, dude. Coolest lawyer I've ever met. Of course, where I come from, I'm always nervous around lawyers anyway, but that's neither here nor there. I'm going to leave you guys with a quick soundbite. If if you were at the draft party with us, this will make sense. If not, um, it won't. Just ignore it. But uh, I do think, uh, I think, like I said, it was it was an awesome night. And uh, I just want to wrap it up and say, with that soundbite, also, uh, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. Um, encourage somebody today. It just takes 10 seconds to tell somebody, hey, hope you have a great day. Let's go out and be the change we want to see. And as always, go back, go. Roadhouse.